Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the United States Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me for the final time this spring is Dairyfield head coach Chris Hetler. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Joe. You know, I'm uh, a little bit sad that this is the the end of the uh, end of the spring season for us, or I guess now it's officially summer. But uh, you know, it's been it's been good to talk to you all spring, and I, I appreciate everything that you've done to. Uh, to help promote the sport and, and keep it alive for especially for the seniors this year and i definitely appreciate you uh you know being willing to uh to partake in this i know it's been um you know it's it, it was as we talked about with amongst each other uh at the beginning of the this season um you know it would have been tough for us to sit here and just kind of talk about nothing for you know however many weeks we've been doing this uh but you know the uh getting coaches on and and talking with them and and you, uh, you honing your interview skills there. It definitely has uh, has helped us out a lot. I think you know it's allowed allowed me to kind of sit back and and enjoy the show a little bit. Uh, so definitely appreciate that. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to today. We'll uh, you know um, get a little little preview for next season. We'll look at the uh, look at the divisions and maybe take a look at what some teams on on paper have coming back that we know of. You know, there'll be some surprises. We didn't get to see the freshmen this year, and uh, you know we don't know what schools potentially have coming in next year from their middle schools but um you know we'll make our best guesses and you know if i know you you usually uh you make some pretty good guesses there you make some pretty good <laughs> predictions so well, we'll hold I don't, you to it. i may i may hold off a little bit on the predictions uh but uh or at least at least until i can actually write them out um so so that's uh that's something you want to keep an eye on if you're uh you're looking for predictions uh maybe over the next couple of days there'll be something posted on the website that uh you'll want to you want to read and uh, well i'll tell you i think the prediction everybody's looking for is your prediction on whether or not sports are going to happen next year so we'll hold <laughs> to that we'll be well, we'll be looking for that in the next couple of days yeah that um i don't know who can predict that um and and wh what you're going off of um but <laughs> i'm gonna you know you know we're gonna we're gonna try to stay positive on the podcast no no Sorry. uh no pessimism here. Um, so yeah, we are gonna we are gonna take a look ahead to uh, 2021. Uh, what will hopefully be, and we're we're going to assume that life has returned to normal by March of 2021 too. You know, I like so, that. So like we're that. gonna you know if if there are you know schools that aren't gonna do sports because of the the pandemic or you know players moving around uh, that we don't know about yet, we're just gonna assume that they're gonna be where they are right now, and we're gonna get a little help today too. Uh, we're going to bring in a uh, good friend, Alex Hall, from the Union Leader. Uh, amongst all of the things he does up there, uh, he covers lacrosse. Uh, so he's going to join us in a little bit to uh, to talk about that. Uh, as always, uh, well, I guess we don't really need uh, questions for the next for next week since this is the last show. But if you'd like to email us and, and tell us how much you either enjoyed listening to the show or, or maybe uh, didn't enjoy listening to the show, uh, you can email us at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Or uh, reply to us on Twitter at NHHS Sports. Uh, and this, of course, uh, and I would assume future shows are going to be available uh, Thursday mornings at nh-highschoolsports.com. And uh, before we do get started, I want to mention that uh, this is your final reminder uh, that you can pre-order the 2020 Lacrosse Yearbook. Uh, this year it will be packed with uh, stories that I've done from throughout this spring, uh, along with the senior pages, a few other surprises, uh, so this will it'll really be a unique keepsake for what has been a year unlike any other, and you've got until July 7th to uh, get your copy. All right, so uh, I guess we should probably uh, bring in Alex now, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Get his thoughts on the season. 
And joining us right now, uh, Alex Hall from the Union Leader. Uh, Alex, thanks for doing this, and uh, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, I'm uh, doing great tonight, and uh, looking forward to uh, looking forward to uh, next spring here. Yeah, we uh, so we're gonna like we said, gonna talk tonight about uh, the 2021 season. Of course, uh, this um, this year would have been the end of a, the NHIA's two year cycle. So there was, uh, you know, that's when they kind of reset, take another look at enrollments and make changes to the divisions in terms of you know school size, who wants to move up and down, um, who can move up and down. So. We're going to go over a couple of those changes as well, too. Um, you know, you'll also be able to read about a lot of this on the on the site uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, but, you know, I guess I guess we should probably start, you know, where, um, you know, where a lot of us or a lot of people are probably expecting to start with uh, with uh, Division One boys lacrosse, which I think is probably the most um, drastic change, uh, you know, in terms of just what the schedule is going to look like. Because, um, you know, this year, uh, D1, or this year and the year before, you know, D1 had 14 teams in it. Uh, coming up in 2021, it's going to be a 12-team division. You've got uh, Merrimack moving back up from D2 after being down there for a cycle. You've got Timberline and Hanover moving down to D2 uh, based on enrollment. Hanover had always petitioned up to D1, but now they've decided to drop down. And then you've got Keene also petitioning down into D2. So that leaves you with, of course, BG, Pinkerton, Exeter, Bedford, uh, like I said, Merrimack, both North, National North and South, uh, Sauhegan, Salem. Uh, did I leave anybody? Uh, Londonderry. Uh, I believe Concord, that's... Concord. 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 Thank you. Um, I knew I was going to leave somebody off. So, Dover yeah. Dover as well. Oh, Dover's in there too. Uh, yeah. I was going to leave everybody so just off. To give, just yeah. to give our listeners a little bit of a background about, you know, what how those divisions are made up it's done by school enrollment size and so division one is 1150 or more division two is 700 to 1149 and division three is obviously one to 699 so and then teams can petition up and down from that um, you could only petition down one level so if you're a d1 team you couldn't petition down to a d3 yep. etc so. And then what changes it too is uh, you have a couple of co-op teams, and what they do there is they combine the enrollment of the two schools uh, to figure out where you go. Um, no co-op teams in D1, uh, but I mean, I mean, just looking at that, there and that there's going to uh, only be 12 teams. I think, I think that's the way it was. Probably going back to I don't know, I want to say 2014 and, and beyond um, into the past. Just what do you guys th think about that? Um, you know that that setup. Uh, well, you know, I, I think the most shocking thing to me was seeing Hanover come back down with all the success that they've had over the years up. And I understand why they're coming down, but just, you know, it wasn't that long ago, 2007, 2009, they won two division one state championships uh, against, against B Bishop Girton. And to see them come down was, a, was a real shocker to me, but, you know, I, I think they're in the midst of rebuilding their program. Um, they, they've tended to lose a lot of kids to prep schools, um, you know, and they, they've struggled, their youth program struggled a little bit. So they're, I think Coach Gardner is looking to maybe find a little bit more success, rebuild the program a little bit. And, you know, I think his goal is ultimately to get the team back up to Division One, but just felt like they needed a couple of years to, to maybe rebuild the, uh, the youth program a little bit. And, and I think that the, I think this probably for Hanover, I mean, I, I don't have any sort of insight, but I, I would think that, you know, just my opinion would be this would probably just be for the two year cycle. I don't see them staying uh, in Division two 
uh, probably past that. I mean, they went, you know, they went 11 and four uh, in 2019 in division one, uh, as Chris said, you know, they've been a traditionally strong division one uh, team when they played there. Um, so I would expect that they'll be back after the end of the cycle back in division one play uh, would be my guess there. I'm also interested to see uh, what Dover is, is able to do there in division one. I mean, as Chris knows, you know, they, they're, they've been a traditionally strong program, um, competed in Division Two, always been there. So it'll be interesting to see what Dover looks like playing against uh, some of the uh, Division One competition. Coach Liam Murphy is doing a really nice job up there. He's, he's a real active presence on social media. He's got a lot of kids out playing. Um, he's got a strong group of kids playing in, with the hooligans and things like that. So I think they, I think they will be competitive up there, knowing, knowing what the other teams have. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this in a little bit, but I, I, I've spoken to a few people that I feel like Division One has as much uh, variability as, as any time in recent history for next year. You know, there's a lot of lot of opportunity for teams to make a run next year, in my opinion. You know, what, what interests me too is, um, you know, with with 12 teams, um, you know, the the NHIA requires that every team in Division One, uh, and I, and this goes, I think, for every division except for. Uh, maybe on the girls' side. Uh, on the boys' side, every team has to play at least 12 games, uh, and they prefer you to play those 12 games within your division. So you've got 12 teams. That means that, that they'll probably make a team double up with somebody uh, at some point, um, and then that gives everybody six opportunities. You know, they can play as many as 18 games. So that's six open dates, you know, that, that schools like Pinkerton and Bishop Girton and Exeter – um, Bedford's done it, you know, in recent years where they've gone out of school, out of state and played some teams in mass or Maine or Vermont. Uh, and you know, sometimes those are, are just some really fun matchups. So I like, I like that side of it where, uh, you know, there's a potential for some of these big marquee games. I think the other nice part about that too, though, is teams that have traditionally struggled a little bit in division one, it, it leaves them some flexibility to schedule some D2 and D3 games that they might have more success in. And, and maybe even local matchups. You know, I, I think of a, a, a team like Dover who, you know, sort of sticks out in there as being, you know, one of the few Seacoast teams. I guess you can sort of count Exeter as a Seacoast team, but, you know, that would allow Dover to maybe schedule some traditional rivals with like Portsmouth and St. Thomas and, and Winnicunit and things like that. So in that respect, I think I think it's kind of cool that they, they, they would really only essentially have to play a 12-game schedule and then they could add in six more after that. Yeah, and um, it, you know it'd be it'd be interesting to see too. I know, you know, this year looking at the schedule, some of the the traditional uh, out of state games that Pinkerton and BG had played over the years were were not on the schedule for this year. So uh, that would be interesting to see who they who they're able to get back on there. If it's some certain teams that they, you know, they would normally have played, or or if there's new uh, rivalries that they try to start up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been great that teams, you know, powerhouses in Massachusetts, you know, Needham's and, and Lincoln Sudbury's and, uh, you know, teams like Acton Boxborough, teams like that were actually coming up to New Hampshire and playing us up here. So it'll be great that we can maybe now even get even more of those home and home rivalries going and trading back and forth there. So, um, so what do we think looking at that, looking at the division, you know, if we're going to take a, a, a too early look at that, what do you, what, what, what sticks out to you guys? What do you, what do you think how things might shake out next spring based on what people have returning? Well, I mean, I think what I was sort of um, interested in, uh, you know, especially for what would have been this spring, uh, just seeing how, how Pinkerton was going to look, you know, post uh, Brian O'Reilly era there. 
uh, with, with uh, Steve Pedro taking over there. That would have been uh, interesting to see what they would have looked like. And I, I think that'll still be interesting to see come next spring. Uh, obviously, he'll have had, you know, a whole year uh, to sort of work with the guys at that point. But, um, you know, they, they, they'll, I think, even regardless, you know, regardless of the coaching change and um, obviously uh, the, uh, you know, the legendary career that, that Coach O'Reilly had, I think they'll still obviously be in that, that upper echelon. I mean, they'll, uh, they'll have Nathan Liberty back there, a face-off to, to replace, uh, you know, Gennaro Mara, uh, another phenomenal face-off guy. So uh, that'll, that'll be interesting to see how this new look pinkered in almost. Yeah, they'll 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 lean heavily on uh, on Hunter Hunter Druin next year. Uh, Jackson Morissette, uh, John Zanetti will be a net for them. It is going to be it is going to be a, a a younger Pinkerton team than than you're used to. There won't be, they won't have as much experience there, but they they do have a, you know still have a strong youth program. Um, you know, I know I know you had mentioned Nathan Liberty, but he he, he actually was a senior this year. He's actually he's oh, gonna okay. be at Bryant. He's going to be at Bryant next year. So that is you know talking to Coach Gaudreau, that is actually a little bit of a concern for them is, you know, who, who, who's going to be that draw guy for them next year. Um, but you know, if, if it's any, anything like Pinkerton teams in the past, they will find that athlete. They'll find that linebacker. They'll find that wrestler. Um, and you know, what I've found over the years is once you have a face-off tradition in your school, it kind of gets passed on. And, and I'm sure Nate and, and those other guys, they'll, they'll all, um, come back and work with the new guys there. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I think there are opportunities for other teams to to get up there with Pinkerton and BG next year, just based on what those two teams are losing. I mean, I'm you know looking at at the list of kids um, that BG has back. Um, of course, they I mean they lose some some talented seniors this year. You know, Sean Cameron, James Heitmiller, uh, Ben Abladian. Um, but you know, looking at what they I mean they they had a very strong junior class this year, and um, you know, assuming most of those kids are going to be back next year. I don't know. I think I think they would be my clear-cut favorites at this point. Um, you know, of course, we're almost a full year ahead of that. Uh, and and you know, you're right. I think Pinkerton um, they're going to have a lot of holes to fill with guys that don't have as much experience uh, that would have gained a lot of experience this year. Um, I'd almost look at, at at teams like Exeter and and, and Londonderry, and maybe even um, you know Sauhegan and Nashua South to kind of you know maybe work their way a little bit into the top of the division there. Um, you know, just given the numbers that they have back and the, the skill that on, at least on paper that they have back. Yeah. I mean, I think you, with, with BG, you know, you, you've got Michael Kiley coming back. You've got Dawson Clark, Aiden Ahern on defense, Nick McGovern, who, you know, again, a lot of people don't even really know about Nick because he was injured so much the year before and was finally getting healthy this year. Uh, Chris Heitmiller, um, uh, JJ Murphy facing off for them. Um, you know, Matt Cranny on defense, they do have a lot of guys coming back. Um, and that's just, that's the tip of the iceberg there. They have a, a, a phenomenal freshman class coming in, be a little young. Um, you know, they have two goalies in that freshman class coming in. So they're, they're going to be good there. Um, and I think the guys that they have can cover up for maybe the, the inexperience and in net a little bit there and, and allow them to get their, the two goalies to get their feet underneath them. I agree with you. I also agree that I, I think Exeter, um, you know, talking to people could be, you know, the, the, if they can find a goaltender uh, to replace Henry Vogt, um, you know, I, I think they've, they've got a great chance to make a run at the finals next year. Um, you know, Spencer Clark coming back, Connor Holly, Aiden Drunzik on attack. Um, you know, they, they definitely got some, they've definitely got some really good pieces there. Their youth program is, 
been really good. And so, you know, that to me, that's that's the team that I would look for to maybe maybe make a run next year. I feel like that's sort of been the conversation, uh, you know, come playoff time the last couple of years has been is Exeter going to is Exeter going to upset the uh, Pickerton BG uh, final in Division one. And it feels yeah, it does seem to feel more like uh, that that could be the case uh, come next spring. I mean, I, I know it's sort of been the, a conversation for a couple of years, but they look they look poised to uh, to really uh, make make a push there. I mean, every yeah. year the, the odds just say we have to be getting a little bit closer to that, right? I mean, at some point, somebody's going to uh, to beat one of them uh, and, and get into the final. It's, I mean, you, you would assume so. I mean, yeah. Um, so the other team you brought up, South Egan, um, you know, I think this year would have been a really great year for them yeah. with both Riley Lawhorn and Curtis Red and some of the other pieces they have. But with Curtis graduating. Riley's going to need some other pieces around him to, to help him out. Um, you know, he's a, he's a very, he's a great dominant midfielder, but you know, he, he's going to need some other guys to step up and they do have some good freshmen coming in. They'll have Luke Banning back on defense again, um, you know, as a senior. So that'll, that'll be a, you know, a, a, a good thing there. Nathan Fritz is, is a, a senior goaltender for them next year, but um, you know, they're going to need, they're going to need some guys who necessarily haven't been stars on offense for them to step up into that role. So we'll see, they had, they had a bunch of freshmen back in 2019 that, you know, were on the, on the varsity team. We'll see if those guys are ready to step up this year as juniors. So uh, let's um, take a look at division two, of course. uh, I think what three quarters of the teams in the state uh, boys and girls are in this division (laughs) next year. Uh, No, it just feels like not far off. Not far off. No, teams. we go from 21 no. teams to 23 teams with uh, with Merrimack moving out, and again Keen Hanover and Timberlane moving in. Uh, no one dropping down from D2 to D3 or moving up. Uh, but you do have uh, Oyster River is now going to be a co-op with Newmarket, uh, so uh, that's a, a big uh, big boost for uh, Ruppy Haley and and the Bobcats over there. I, will they still be the Bobcats? You think? Are they going to call them something like the? What's new market? The mules, the, the bobcat mules, the mule cats, the mule, mule cats. cats. I think, yeah, yeah, they might be the mule cats. I think you, you do have to. I know with um, with uh, HBDS and hockey, we have to be the warriors. So you, there, there is a stipulation in the NHI bylaws that you you do have to come up with a, a neutral mascot for your for your co-op. All right, team. then. So well, it would be interesting to see what the. I like that the mule cats. That's pretty good. I like that. Uh, of course. I mean, they're. You know, I mean, might as well just start there um, since we're talking about them. I, I would say that, that you know, not to put too much on them at this point, but, um, you know, based on the kids that they have back and the fact that they, they had no seniors um, going into this year, uh, you know, I think Oyster River is going to be not not a, not the favorite or anything going in. Um, I, I won't take that away from you, Chris. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely That's think all right. they're you can, you can throw the target on someone else. Yeah, they're definitely going to be a team I'm going to keep an eye on. I mean, they have a, a you know some talented seniors: Hayden Marshall, uh, Ethan Todd, uh, Emerson Moore, and then a, a, a guy um, that that Ruppy was was very high on when uh, when I talked to him this spring. Uh, and I'm hoping I pronounce his name right. Uh, Sam Gillamet. Uh, was a, a sophomore. Um, wasn't sure if he was a, more of an attackman or a midfielder, but um, you know, it sounds like he's a guy that, that, um, has a, a ton of talent. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're definitely going to be a team and, and they've been doing all the right things. They've been playing indoor. Um, you know, he's got, he's got the guys active in the off season. Um, he's got a, he's got a, a good freshman coming in next year as an attackman, Jacob Pelea, who plays on our Tomahawk team. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be a good piece for them. 
no, they're they're definitely an up and coming team, and uh, D two is as wide open as it's ever been. And the thing, and I think you know, I'm not sure how many uh, they'll they'll pick up uh, with the new market side of the co op, but I'm just generally always uh, always a fan of uh, of seeing that you know getting that co op opportunity for for a school that normally wouldn't you know have enough uh, to feel its own team. I, I think that's uh, that's always you know just a good thing to give athletes that opportunity. Uh, to to play the sport at the high school level, uh, even if you know their school that doesn't have enough to uh, field the team. The, uh... the other thing, the other thing it lets you do is you, you can do more things at practice. You know, when even even if the kids skill level wise aren't there, but you can still run more six on six. You can do full field drills. You know, you just your practices become that much more dynamic when when you've got more bodies to be able to do certain things. So it'll definitely help with that as well. So with um with twenty three teams in the division, if you're looking at the uh, the seventy percent rule that the NHIA put in place a few years ago for for the playoffs, uh, that would mean that uh, they could potentially have sixteen teams making the playoffs in D two, which uh, which means, coach, uh, there goes your buy. I'm actually okay with that. <laughs> I've never been. I've actually never been a fan. I've never been a fan of the buy. To be honest with you, yeah. I, I I think it takes you out. Of, I think it takes you out of your rhythm. Um, you know us. We've we've traditionally scrimmaged BG during that during that um, off week because I I just think it throws you I think it throws you off and if, if anything else you know especially when you're like the one or the two seed that gets the buy that that eight nine or that seven ten team that you play is not necessarily a cakewalk right. game and they're getting an extra tune up game while you're sitting around waiting you know so they're staying they're staying primed up so I'd be you know if we're if we're lucky enough to be a top four seed again next year I, I'd be fine with playing a, a first round game so. And you, you of course have, uh, you know, you lose a great senior class this year, but you've got a pretty nice one coming back uh, next year, uh, starting from the back all the way up uh, down the field. I, I would say. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We've, we've got three goaltenders that I, you know, most people are like, if you got three goaltenders, you don't have one, right? And I actually believe we have three really good goaltenders. And um, you know, I know people are probably angry at me for saying that, but <laughs> where we are, we're, we're blessed with three good goaltenders coming back next year, and we're planning on playing all of them. Um, and then, yeah, you know, we do, we, we've got some, we've got some good defensemen, uh, coming back there. Um, we've, we've got the face-off circle taken care of, and we've got, uh, you know, some really good guys on, on both midfield and attack. Um, you know, do I, I think we're as strong as we've been in the past? Maybe not, but, you know, I've got, I think there's some opportunities for some kids that maybe people don't know about either to step up that we're going to be freshmen for me this year or incoming freshmen. So, I'm excited about the challenge. I mean, I think I think this year, unfortunately, kind of closed the chapter on the previous four years in a way that I was hoping wouldn't happen. But, um, you know, it's, it's almost like a new beginning next year. It's a bunch of kids that, you know, have to go out and prove themselves. They a few of them may have been on those championship teams, but they haven't been the guys that have won those teams. Right. So, they're, you know, there's a there's a new target on their back and they've got to. I'm excited to help them along the way to try and uh, get back to that game again. So, yeah, no, we're, we're excited. But I, I think there's I think there's a lot of other teams. You know, I look at, um, you know, a team that maybe, uh, you know, the year before had a really good regular season in Hollis Brookline and then was ready to take the bunch, take a take a jump. They've got two guys in Joel Riley and Hunter Hudzik coming back. Uh, they've got Scott Walsh and Net back. Um, I, I look at what they're returning. I think they've got a lot of nice pieces that maybe people are, are maybe overlooking a little bit. And I could see them being a, a real player in the division next year as well. How about you? Uh, how about Alex? Anybody that kind of stands out to you? Um, you know that that's going to be back for next year. Uh, yeah, I would echo uh, Chris's sentiment on on Hollis Brookline. I mean, they've they've always um, you know 
not just looking at what they'll have next year, but you know, that's, that's a school that's had a lot of lacrosse tradition uh, on the boys and girls side, um, you know, the traditional uh, contender when they were in D, uh, D3 on the boys side. So it'll be, it'll, I'm, I'm, I always think that Hollis Brookline's in that conversation when I just sort of am sort of prepping for, for the new year, I always sort of look at what, what they're doing just because of their reputation in that regard. Um, I, I think, you know, there's, you know, the other teams that I, that I'm interested in would be Winnicott and Portsmouth and um, just, just different, um, just, just to see what, what, how different they look, but also, you know, what, what they might have that's new and, and um, I think those would be two other ones to look at. Maybe golf down as well. I would say I would say Winnicott has uh, has three uh, really good offensive pieces coming back, and probably more. I, I know I don't know all their pieces out there, but uh, you know they're going to have a, a senior in Jack Ellis, who's probably one of the the bigger, stronger attackmen in the league next year. Uh, ben Chase at midfield, who will also be a senior, and then uh, Ben Merrick, who will also be a senior at the midfield. They've got you know three three really nice offensive pieces to build around there. And then they've got Carter Renard returning in the net as a senior. Um, you know, they, they do, they lost a lot of defense from that championship team. They were going to have some nice seniors come in on defense this year. So I think that'll be a piece that they've got to address. Um, and then, you know, is there enough around those other three guys? But, you know, that's a, that's a great uh, offensive uh, set to start with for them. And then having Carter and net gives them a little stability there. Um you know, looking at some of the other teams, I think, uh, you know, the team you really feel bad for this year is Wyndham. Um, you know, they, they had a lot of pieces yeah. in place to make a really good run this year. Um, they still return Nate Levine next year as a senior, you know, committed to Syracuse uh, as a midfielder. Um, you know, they, they he, he's going to need some other guys around him to step up. But, um, you know, that that's a program that I think, um, you know, had been building towards this year. And then, um, you know, unfortunately, with the with the season there, they do lose. I think they, they got, you know, Joe, if you look at your list, I think you, I think they had like five guys committed to play in college at various levels Windham, in the yeah. senior class. Yeah. yeah. You know, Jake Russ, Parker Rice, Hooper Melvin, uh, Connor Latiritz, uh, You know, I'm, I'm, I don't think I, I think got that, it. Mason Bolesky. Yeah. Um, they, they had a lot of guys that were that were looking to play there. You know, and that's not even counting guys like Tommy Doe. That was, you know, that's been a name that's that's been around there for a while too. Um, so, you know, again, Nate Levine's a great piece to build around. They'll 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 have to um, have some other guys step up around him. So, so I, I was told by a uh, a Seacoast coach this spring that uh, that Portsmouth should not be considered a contender for next year. Uh, really? Yeah, I, I don't. I I mean, you you can. Get, I'm not going to say who it was, but you could probably guess. Uh, now they they are gonna i mean they do take a hit in terms of uh of graduation i mean they had a lot of seniors back for this year uh and then i think they're losing a couple kids to prep school too uh so chat chat's trying to play the sleeping giant card already i I didn't i didn't no i did not say that 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 Well, I will tell you, he's got a he's got a really nice uh, midfielder coming back in Dom Maldary, yeah, who's a yeah. who's a senior. Um, you know, he'll be, he'll be a big piece for them. Actually, I think he might in even book, be, he might even be a junior. I, I that's what I I thought I saw. Yeah, I he was listed. Yeah, I think he. You know what? I think you're right. I think he might be. Uh, I'm trying to remember what team I coached him in Tomahawks. So I'm trying to remember if he's going to be a senior next year or a junior. He's listed in the book here is is incorrectly. Yeah. They listed him as a junior the year before, and that's that's definitely incorrect. Yeah. Uh, either way, he will be back next year in a nice piece to build around. Um, you know, Mike Durkin is a kid who who played at midfield for them uh, a little bit, even as a freshman. You know, so I anticipate he'll he'll step up and be there. 
Uh, Dylan Ralph uh, as, as a midfielder there. I think he actually played attack for me on Tomahawks. He's a, he's a nice player. Uh, Houston Heidinger um, is a good player for them too. I mean, they, you know, yes. Will they be as deep as they've been before? And again, that was, this is another team that I think was really looking forward to this season. They had a lot of seniors that have played together through youth, um, you know, up and down the roster. They had two very good goalies, you know, again, heartbreaking that they didn't have a string to put that all together there. But, um, you know, if I know Chad and I know that, that Seco system, they will, they will have a good, they will roll out a good team next spring. There's no doubt in my mind. So I want to, I want to mention one of the teams that uh, is moving down uh, because we talked to a, their head coach a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'm st- I think I'm still fired up over that interview. Um, he, you know, it's just <laughs> Ken Blaskis uh, just uh, brings so much energy. Uh, I think Timberlane. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy in on Timberlane. He was pretty. He felt he sounded uh, pretty positive about what they've got coming back. Um, so I'm you know I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, include them in there too. I think they're gonna be a team to watch moving back down to D two. Um, absolutely absolutely yeah. he's been building he's been building for a while there and um you know you look on paper you look at his roster from from 2019 he's losing you know he's not returning a lot of seniors but you know i think he's had a lot of guys underneath that maybe have been playing jv and stuff i'd look for you know will savage on defense uh jack noise as an attackman you know those, those guys i think will be leaders for them next year and yeah, I just I think D two is a good is a really good spot for them. They're going to find success, and uh, you know they again that's a team that can kind of pick and choose and maybe play some games up in D one too. They could keep a Dover on their schedule. They could keep a Concord or you know some of those teams on there and challenge themselves a little bit. So, all right. So um, if we look at uh, as we said, Division three. Um, nobody moving down uh, from Division one or two. And, well, of course, like you said, you can't move down from D one, but no one moving down from D two. Uh, but we are adding a team. Uh, D three is going to go from fourteen to fifteen teams uh, because there is a new varsity program uh, starting next year, boys and girls. Uh, Hillsboro Deering is going to have uh, varsity lacrosse, so that brings uh, the number in the division up to fifteen, which again uh, could potentially change the number of playoff teams. I feel like it's been eight the last couple of years, uh, but with fifteen teams, you could, uh, w- according to the seventy percent rule, have ten teams in the playoffs. Uh, I think that would be an interesting thing to have a, a you know, D1 has had that a couple times in the last few years to have like an opening round, almost kind of play in game between your, your bottom four seeds, um, you know, and, and D3, um, you know, uh, much like uh, you guys at Dairyfield, I guess the only thing that could stop Hopkinton was a, uh, a global pandemic. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, I only know a couple of kids, um, you know, Hopkinton, of course, loses Colby Quiet. Um, you know, but they've got a really good uh, LSM back in uh, Stephen Newton Delgado, another really good midfielder in Sam Brown, uh, and I'm sure that that Deacon Blue has uh, got a ton of kids in that youth program that he's gonna just, um, you know, just gonna reload up there. To me, to me, when he talked, and and you know, the feeling around the program was was kind of getting the kids over the mental hump of of Colby graduating. You know, I think there was this sense throughout there that oh man, we're done after this year with Colby, and so. I think Coach Blue has worked really hard on getting the guys to buy in. It's like, no, look, we've created a program. We have a culture here now, and if everybody continues to work hard, there's no reason why we can't continue to be at the level that we've been at the last couple of years. And um, so I, I agree with you. I think I think by culture alone, and until some of the the teams knock them off, then then they are they've got to be considered one of the favorites coming in. Um, but I'll tell you a team that I'm looking at on paper that brings back an awful lot of guys is Campbell. Um, it's a program that, you know, um, Coach Beattie used to, used to coach. He, he left, and they were going to have a new coach this spring. 
if they can get if they can get a uh, a young dynamic coach in there, um, there is a lot of talent coming back with that team. There's a, a lot of guys playing. Um, I'm I'm looking at names on here that you know a few guys that play in the Tomahawk program and four leaf hooligans. Um, so Cam- Campbell's a team that I, I would look out for for the next for the next couple of years. They they return a lot of guys. They're a pretty young team. Yeah, and I mean to that point, I mean the, it, just looking at their roster from 2019 here. I mean a lot of freshmen on that roster there. So so they'll have you know. They'll have a, certainly a lot of pieces to, to pick from. Yeah, that, that's the the coaching situation is going to be an interesting one because I believe um, Josh Knight, the AD, was going to coach them this year uh, just because of timing. Uh, they had trouble, you know, finding someone to step in. Of course, he has a very uh, very rich lacrosse background. Uh, he should be coaching him. <laughs> he's, a, he's a he's a Syracuse midfielder. He should be coaching him. He loves lacrosse. Um, so I think he. As a first-year ID, I think he was nervous to take on take on a big role right. like that. Um, but you know, I, I think he'd be a you know every every interaction I've had with him has been fantastic, and I think he'd be a really good coach for them. So I, I hope he does because um, it's, it's a program that um, you know Coach BD did a really nice job of building up, and uh, you know I think he could step right in and, and continue it and continue to develop it. I mean, there's a Joe. There's... I was also oh yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go no, go ahead. I was just gonna say I, I was I'm kind of interested to see what what Trinity and Monadnock yeah. will look like. I, I I will say I slept on Monadnock going into 2019, and and they really surprised me with what they were able to do there. Yeah, Monadnock's always a funny one because um, I I just feel like they they never really have a ton of numbers, and they just seem to just bring in kids though. Like kids just always come in and perform for them, and and definitely Trinity. I mean Trinity. Um, just looking at what they were going to have this year, um, a lot of those kids were underclassmen. Um, and, and they look like they're going to have a solid group, um, from, you know, from top to bottom coming back. Yeah. Trinity. And they've been, again, they've been a strong presence in indoor. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are multi-sport athletes. They don't, you know, it's, it's amazing how good, uh, some of these guys are, um, you know, without, without playing in the travel system. Um, but I, I agree with you. They've got a lot of guys coming back. Manadnock, like you said, didn't have a huge roster, but you know, you have, you have, uh, Rob and Ryan Hart uh, as coaches there. Um, I, I would I would assume Aiden Hart is the, is, a, is another little little brother that got you know, Tim Hart on that <laughs> team too. So either brothers or cousins out there. And anytime you have a Hart on a team, I mean, I remember the year right when Ryan Hart was a senior, he he single handedly took that Manadnock team on his back and carried them to the the, the championship game there. Um, so you know, I, I agree with you. I think Manadnock and Trinity are two teams definitely to watch for next year. You know, one that'll be an interesting one for me. Um to see how they do is Laconia. Um, I think they're a little bit uh, like Oyster River would have been this year, except maybe a year behind. Um, you know, they graduated a, a ton of seniors uh, from 2019. Um, you know, and they were going to have, be, they were going to be sophomore heavy this year. And you figure, well, that's great. We get them in now as sophomores. We get a lot of, we get a season of experience. Maybe we make some noise, make the playoffs, who knows. Uh, you know, but then we come back for two more years and we're, we're ready to go. You know, and now these kids are, are coming in now as juniors with, you know, without that experience that you were expecting to get. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see what they, they do. I think they would be a team that, um, you know, could maybe surprise some people. As much as a, a Laconia team, you know, you, you expect them to kind of be there, but as much as they could surprise someone. They've, they've, got, the tra- they've got the tradition, um, you know, a turf, a turf field helps, you know, speaking, speaking of which, you know, we were talking about Hollis earlier. You know their brand new turf field isn't going to hurt them at all. That's going to that's going to be a boost to their program. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I, li- I like Laconia as well to be one of those playoff teams. 
I think what with uh, with only fourteen teams, I think it'll be it'll be eight in the playoffs. There, the top eight. Will make well, it, it could be. It could be. There's uh, with Hillsboro Deering, it's fifteen. So it could be. It could be as many as ten. I, I would like to see it be ten. Yeah. I think it'd be fun if there's an yeah. extra extra couple games there. Uh, and of course, I mean, we you know the team we haven't mentioned that was in the finals in twenty nineteen, uh, Pelham. Um, I mean, they seem to just be churning out numbers. Um, you know, they're going to lose. They lost a lot of seniors from last year's team. They're going to lose. They lose a lot of seniors this year. Um, but just looking at what they had on the on the potential for on the roster this year, um, you know, they had ten juniors coming back that had varsity experience from uh, from last year. So you know, going into next year, they're going to have a pretty uh, good sized senior class too. Yeah, I do, and but but I think um, their their youth program has, uh, you know, traditionally over the years, uh, Russ Moyer has done a great job with with the youth program over there. And as his daughters got older, now he's been more on the girls' side, uh, and and also helping out in Tomahawks. Um, you know, I think somebody needs to to step up there. I think over the next couple of years, you may potentially see a little bit of a downturn in in Pelham in, in terms of in terms of numbers. But for the short term, I agree with you. They're coming back. They've got some some good pieces in place there for them to, to, you know, be in the mix again next year. All right. Any, any final thoughts on, uh, on the boys side of things before we, uh, we, we change gears here? No, uh, I think, I think across the board, I think it's going to be a great, um, you know, we're going to assume that it's going to be a great spring next year. We're going to be (laughs) off playing and, uh, fingers all crossed. I think you're going to see some great games next spring. You know, I, I think there's a, there's a ton of parity and, um, you know, potential for some really good matchups all spring long. You know, I think every week you're going to see, I, I think that I don't think you're going to get a good sense of the playoff final rankings until the end of the week. You're going to need to log on to NH sports each week to know those potential playoff <laughs> matchups there. Cause we know you, we know you've been more accurate in the past than anybody else. So. And then, let's be honest. After this spring, as long as they roll the ball out, that's that's a that's a win in my book. Yeah, I mean, Fair even enough. even if they're only even if it's just scrimmages, that's uh, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. Uh, so again, on the girls' side, uh, some changes to the divisions there, but not nearly as uh, as um, as many as the boys. I, I, I was going to say as drastic as the boys, but really, even the boys' changes wasn't all that drastic. Um, you know, so you look at. Uh, at D1, uh, you know, they the D1 next year will drop from 15 teams to 14 teams with uh, Timberlane moving down uh, based on their enrollment. You still have uh, Bishop Girton and Sauhegan petitioning up into D1, um, you know, and then after that you've got Pinkerton South, uh, co-op team in, in Keene, Monadnock, uh, North, Exeter, Concord, Bedford, Dover, Londonderry, Manchester Central, Merrimack, and, of course, Salem. Uh I don't know. I, I think, um, you know, is this on, on paper, you know, it, it kind of looks like uh, it's going to be the same, you know, same kind of group of teams that we we always see at the top of the division, um, you know, led by uh, w- what looks to be just a loaded senior class from BG. Yeah, not only a loaded senior class, but they've, they've got some really good underclassmen as well as in their junior class. Uh, the freshmen coming in are pretty good. You know, I, I look. I remember the the uh, podcast we did with the um, uh, the recruiting one there, where where we talked about all the the boys and girls going to college. And Pinkerton had an awful lot of girls graduating this year that were going to college. So I, I think the, you know, again, strong youth program, but I think that could be tough for them to overcome uh, next year coming back. Um, you know, I do, I do think BG I think would be the clear cut favorite coming in coming into next year. 
Yeah, when I was just looking at the 2019 roster for Pickard, I mean, they lost 13 uh, seniors between uh, that 2019 team and what would have been their their 2020 uh, seniors there. So they'll have to do some reloading there. Uh, they'll have you know Caroline Dazil and, and Abby Joe and some other good pieces, but it'll uh, it'll it'll be a bit of a reload for them. I mean, just looking at at, at BG, I mean, you could take and and have just maybe their seniors. Uh, play together and be one team and their juniors play together and be another team um, and they probably both make the playoffs I mean it just they're that deep next year uh, and it's you know you don't you don't see that too often and it's it, it should be interesting hopefully you know again they're going to be in the same boat where they have um, you know a, 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 an out-of-state schedule that they can play of course with 14 teams in the division they're probably going to get uh, maybe get five games out of state at most so hopefully they're able to put some uh some high-level teams from across New England on that schedule and really, really get tested. The out-of-state games are good, but I also like the fact that uh, in years past you had Winnicunit and Portsmouth and teams like that coming up yeah, to right, play right. Uh, Hanover, mm-hmm. playing up in Division One, Two. Those were always really fun games too. I mean, those those three teams have proven that they they could pretty much play with anybody in Division One there. Um, you know, I think there were a lot of people clamoring for for Portsmouth and Winnicunit to maybe move up too, um, but they they certainly proved it. You know, with Mary Squire gone, it'll be interesting to kind of see if Portsmouth can can, can continue on in their in their dominance there. But um, you know, I'd, I'd be I'd be great to see those games continue. Those are games I always look forward to. I know I, I've I've covered the Hanover Pinkerton uh, girls game a couple times over the years, and that's always a fun one. And uh, yeah, whenever you get uh, whenever you get some of the top from one division facing the top of another division, it's uh, it's enjoyable. So I would also expect. Um... What Sauhegan and Bedford? I mean, uh, kind of the the familiar old four um, to be, you know, right up there. Uh, Londonderry looks like they've got a pretty good cast returning, and and as you know, a guess we had on I think what way back in the the middle of April. Uh, Callie Santos is the the new head coach there, uh, so she'll have uh, she was kind of a late hire, I believe. So she'll have a full off season to kind of work with the girls and get them kind of adjusted to what she wants to do going into next year. So I think that uh, that could be huge. Callie's really active in the offseason, too. There's no doubt she'll have her girls out playing and, and uh, doing the skill work and things that they need to get to get ready. Um, you know, she, she's a phenomenal coach and was a phenomenal player, and, and she's, young, she's still very young and, and able to uh, relate to the kids really well. So I think they're going to love her. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Londonderry return. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Londonderry was a, a dominant powerhouse there. I'm pretty interested to see uh, what Merrimack and South will look like, too. I feel like uh, over the past couple of years, they've sort of each taken steps and we're sort of getting, you know, creeping closer to that that upper echelon of the division. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what those two will bring. Uh, how about you, Joe? Yeah, I know South, um, they do lose uh, some pretty good seniors this year. Uh, you're right, Bill. They return a couple of really good um, Good offensive players in uh, in juniors, Olivia Johnson and uh, Caitlin West. So I, you know, those, um, you know, those two are kind of good building blocks for them, I think. And and they had, um, I'm I'm not sure on names and and apologize for that, but they had some depth and goal too. Um, so you know, they I don't think they lose, you know, they lose their starter uh, Riley Bunton uh, to graduation. So that, but there might be, I think there's a couple of kids behind her that um, you know that could have fought for some playing time you know, had there been an opening this year or last year. So um, let's look at uh, D2. Um, do have a little bit of a change there. As we said, uh, 
Well, D2 going from 16 teams to 18 teams, not quite as big as uh, the boys' side of things, but still big enough that you could potentially see a 12-team uh, a playoff. I know in the past all the girls' divisions have been uh, eight-team playoffs, but I think uh, you know th there's a chance there to, to maybe bump that up a little bit, get a few more playoff games in. As we said, Timberlane moves down. Uh, and then a, a move that I'm kind of um, I'm kind of surprised by. Um, Pembroke moves up from D3. They had, uh, they had been a D2 team uh, two cycles ago. Um, you know, struggled quite a bit in D2. Uh, they moved down to D3 starting in 2019 and actually bounced back and uh, made the playoffs in 2019. So, I, I mean, I guess I, I know um, it's been two years, but it seems kind of a surprise to me that they would, uh, they would bump back up already. And, uh, of course, like on the boys' side, Oyster River New Market is going to be a new uh, co-op team in Division Two. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's great to see teams like Cole Brown and John Stark petitioning up and, and challenging themselves there. Um, you know, a team, a couple teams, you know, a couple teams stand out to me in there. You know, uh, I think we had talked earlier in the season uh, about Hollis Brookline and the potential that they had coming back this season. You know, are they able to keep that going next year? Do they have do they have the girls returning and the buy-in from the program? Have they turned the corner again there? Again, a team that when they were in Division Three was a powerhouse. Another team that was a powerhouse in Division Three, Wyndham, and then they moved up. Are they able to Are they able to get back to where they are? Those are two teams that I, I would look at for uh, going forward next year to kind of see if they can they can make a run at, at Portsmouth and Winnicott. It. Yeah, Wyndham is an interesting one to me because they, you're right, they moved up. Um, it's been a couple of years since they moved up to D2, and they had some uh, early success. I believe they made the final um, the first year, um, maybe first or second year they were in D2. Uh, and they may have actually, I think they might have even won one. Um, look that up. 2012 they won, and yeah, 2013, okay. yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know they've been a program that's been there, and and I mean they're another team that that lost a lot that would have had a pretty good senior class this year, um, you know. But they're going to have some pretty good kids returning too, and um, you know you look at the other teams uh, around the division, the top teams, you know Portsmouth, Winnicott, uh, Hanover, uh, they were all going to have new coaches this year, um, you know. So uh, again, that might I don't know how that I mean I, I you know not not to say that that's going to change a ton but you never know how that's going to work sometimes especially again um they, they will have a whole off season to kind of work together um but you don't know what that that does uh from year to year it does feel like the um a lot of the yeah like a lot of the traditional powers in, in um in uh, division two have gone through some changes we had some coaching changes or, or graduation changes over the past you know two cycles here so yeah, I mean, it might uh, it might be uh, a little bit of a different looking division too. Yeah, certainly don't want to ever ever count out a, a Portsmouth or a Winnicott, but yeah, it might be a year where we see Wyndham or Hollis Brookline, um, you know, maybe take a step uh, over those two and, and kind of put themselves in the uh, in the conversation or, or in in position to uh, to be one of those top seeds. Taking a look, any other any other teams in D two that we think stand out, or should we or should we start to shift gears to Division three here? Yeah, I think um, not too yeah not too sure about D two. Um, so yeah, let's take a, let's move on to D three. Chris just wanted to talk about Deerfield again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and again, um, 
you know, D3 uh, with 17 teams, um, which they also had last year. But, again, this year uh, that 17th team is going to be Hillsborough-Deering, a uh, new uh, varsity girls program, uh, maybe more than eight teams in the playoffs. We could bump it up to 11 according to the, uh, the 70% rule. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, but, yeah, I think going into the year, um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's maybe dairy field and, and a lot of teams, uh, you know, trying to compete with them, right? I don't want, you know, as, as their athletic director, I don't want to put that pressure <laughs> on them, but they know, they know that next year they've got, they've got some great pieces returning. Um, they've got a midfielder in, in Lucy Licata who takes draws. She committed to Colgate, uh, you know, fantastic school, no bias there. Um, but they also, <laughs> <laughs> they also have, uh, they've got Shauna Lemery's and net, uh, Lauren McLean back on defense for them. Uh, they, they, they've got a lot of really, really good pieces. And, um, you know, I think, they were very excited about this spring. I think they were looking to get some revenge on Hopkinton and, and felt like they could, they could make a run this year. And I know they're feeling like they really want to play next year. Cause I think they think they they've got a great team coming back. So um, again, not to put any pressure on them, but they know they, they've got a target on their back. And, um, but I, I think there's some other good teams. Kearsarge uh, always seems to have a, a good program up there. I know coming into this year, Bo had some girls that were uh, committed to play at a high level. I'm not sure what they have returning next year, but you know, Bo, Bo would be a team I would look for. Yeah, you and then again, was, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's who I was. That that was who I was going to put in there as uh, throw out there as my maybe maybe top contender was Bo. They've got yeah a couple mm-hmm. of um, good seniors, uh, Megan Danahy uh, back in goal, Michaela Murray who's a midfielder, senior midfielder. Um, so yeah, they look like they they're going to have some. Um, I don't know how much depth they have, but uh, maybe a lot of uh, a pretty high end. Uh, talent there for them yeah they, they were a pretty young team as well i mean i mean a fairly young team i would say when when they made it to the semifinals in 2019 too and and they've always kind of been been in that contention so yeah i would i would agree that i, I think that uh that bow will uh will be a real strong contender there you know i'd, I'd also I, I still think i still think hopkinton will have some will have some good pieces their their youth program is really good and so i think i think they'll have some i wouldn't overlook them as well um you know, so I, I think uh, I think I think those would be your teams. I, I would put Bo, Kearsarge, uh, Hopkinton, Derryfield in that in that mix. Um, the team that I don't know a lot about is Pelham. They they had some success over the last couple of years, and I don't know if they have. Uh, I don't know what they have returning. Um, but they, again, with their youth program, they they've been in that conversation the last couple of years. Yeah, Pelham and Laconia were, were yeah. ones that I, I'm not sure too uh, too much about what the, what they'll have, but they've they've been a, a, you know t- two traditional uh, you know strong teams in the division. You know, one team that I, I kind of uh, will be interested to see is uh, St. Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were a uh, kind of an up and coming team in 2019, uh, made the playoffs. Um, you know, had some talented uh, kids there. I believe they graduated a good number of them from that team, but had some kids coming up, um, you know, curious to see what exactly they look like, you know, coming out in 2021, you know, and if they're able to still carry that momentum over. Another high school with a new turf field. Won't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It means they can start playing uh, whatever it is, March something, you know, 29th (laughs) or 20th or 19th or whatever uh, that first day is going to be. Hopefully. It just rains on the seacoast anyway. They don't get snow out there, so we'll be fine. <laughs> they don't have to plow it. Right. So, uh, so any um, any final thoughts on uh, the girls' uh, side of things before uh, before we move on, or, or anybody that uh, we didn't mention that you guys have gone back and thought about? 
I, I think we I think we covered a lot in the uh, mm. in the hour we've been doing this here. So on this, I'm excited. <laughs> we we got we got through a lot. And again, I, I'm I'm really excited for uh, for next spring. You know, just just talking to you guys for the last hour here. Um, you know, it's got me excited and got me uh, thinking about you know already planning for next season. Right. Uh, any um. So, do you think? Um, I know we we've taught or we've had the last couple of years. You know, the the boys finals have uh, all been on that last or the last Saturday of the re- the season. Um, usually, what the second Saturday in June. Um, mm-hmm. You know, any have, has either of you heard anything about? Um, you know, can they do the same thing with the girls? Are they going to keep the boys that way? Um, you know, because I, I mean, that Saturday is probably one of the one of the. It's right up there with you know probably the football finals and and maybe that last Saturday of basketball UNH. Um, you know, some of the best days of the year, sports days of the year. Uh, so what I've what I've heard on the boys' side is that they they definitely want to keep that format. They really enjoy that. I think it's it's a it's a crowd friendly environment. You know, you get to see three great lacrosse games in a row. Um, ideally, they'd love to move it to a site like Southern New Hampshire or St. A's or. You know, I, I'm not sure UNH, I think UNH works really good for football. I'm not sure it works great for lacrosse, just, you know, size of stadium and location wise. Um, but the, the logistics behind that are tough because, you know, at that time of year, it takes a lot of manpower to run those events and the universities don't necessarily have the, the staff for that. They have a limited amount of staff that they can, they can provide at that time with school out. So I think that's one of the hurdles that has uh, stopped that from happening, um, you know, using a site like SNHU for you know, a couple of the girls games, but they can't do all of them, you know? So um, everybody thinks, you know, I, I didn't realize before I got into this role of all the, the logistical hurdles that, that were involved in, in scheduling these events. And, uh, you know, I think it's easy for people to say, well, why don't they just do them all? It's SNHU. It's a great facility. It's like, well, there's, there's a few things stopping it from happening. So, but hopefully we can make that happen. Cause I, I agree with you, Joe. It, it is one of the best weekends of the year. Uh, it's an awesome atmosphere. Yeah. Funny though. The I do. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Alex. I was just going to say, I, I do think that that's probably the only thing missing is just, you know, using one of, one of the great college venues uh, that the state has. But like you said, Chris, there are a lot of logistical hurdles and, and you need the manpower at the universities to do that during a time where they're, you know, they, they don't have as much as they normally have during the college season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, you know, other than, you know, getting to use one of those fields, like it's, um, it's uh, you know, always one of the best days of the year. You say you, you you mean they they I'm I'm pretty sure the colleges yeah they probably just don't want anybody showing up and just walking out on their field, uh whenever they whenever they feel they're on a certain Saturday yeah. and be like yeah well, yeah we're just going to use this. Uh. Well, that's all right because they don't they can't just give the field away right. for free yeah. either. You know yeah. they've got to have people for parking they've got to have staff for parking and security and open up bathrooms and things like that and then there are costs associated with those things so it's not as easy as just saying, well, why don't they just give the field away? It's good publicity for the school. It's like, well, there are, there are real costs to doing that. So, um, you know, look at me, I've only been mad men for one year and I'm already <laughs> there. <laughs> already, out already. They've turned you to the dark side already. They brainwashed me already. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that, uh, that's gonna, I guess, wrap up our, uh, our look ahead to, uh, to next year to 2021. What we're hoping is going to be a normal, uh, fully played lacrosse season. Uh, Alex, I'd like to, uh, thank you again, just for, uh, for joining us and, um, anything, um, got anything going on that you guys are trying to do up there that, uh, you know, is, is pretty interesting or, or you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, um, you know, for the Sunday paper, we'll have a little bit of a look at, uh, the, uh, NHGA state amateur championship, uh, coming up next week at Nashua country club. 
and then uh, we'll have a look at uh, the first uh, Silver Knights game happening uh, tomorrow night in Nashua and, you know, sort of how how uh, baseball looks in the uh, post-COVID world there at uh, Holman Stadium. So uh, looking forward to uh, going down there and, uh, and covering that. And, uh, yeah, so those are the two big things coming Sunday. And uh, it's just been great to uh, talk a little lacrosse with you guys and look ahead to the spring. I know it's a long way away, but it's like, like Chris said, it's just fun to talk about, especially considering how things went this season. Absolutely. Live yeah. sports. I can't wait. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, I'd like to like to thank you, Alex, again for joining us. Uh, he's Alex Hall from the Union Leader. Go check out uh, the stuff he just mentioned uh, on Sunday, whether on print or, or, or in print or online. Uh, Alex, thanks again. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Alex. So this is our, uh, our our last couple of minutes of uh, the lacrosse show for the spring. Um, Chris, anything that you want to uh, to kind of leave the listeners with um, as we head into uh, what will hopefully be a great summer and, and hopefully um, we're able to get a little more sports in there as, uh, as we progress towards next spring? Well, I, I just want to thank everybody who listened this spring for to, for tuning in and uh, supporting us and, and what we're doing and, and really supporting the kids, um, you know, and the coaches that we had on. The, the whole idea of this is to, to grow lacrosse in the state and to support all the kids and the, and the players that have been putting in all the time and effort. And so I was thrilled that we got to do that this spring. And it definitely, uh, you know, thank you. It, it definitely helped to ease uh, the pain of, of not having a spring this year. So, again, Thrilled to, thrilled to be on here and uh, looking forward to uh, next March already. Yeah, I know it's um, it definitely has been a tough couple of months. Um, not going to lie, it's been uh, probably more of a challenge, I feel like, uh, sometimes. And, uh, you know, being able to do this uh, every week has been uh, a nice kind of uh, escape, I think, from, uh, from the real world. And um, it, it's been nice to be able to talk about uh, you know some sports what even though you know they're not ha- you know nothing's happening right now um, it's been great to kind of chat about it with with you and with with other coaches and I agree I definitely appreciate everyone who has been able to listen um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who you know maybe it was too tough for them to listen just because it was that reminder that 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 there weren't any games being played that we were losing out on this season and certainly understand that uh, and we will uh, we will certainly welcome you back with open arms when you are ready to uh, to come back and listen um, you know, just, um, yeah, I hope that everybody stays safe, um, and, and that we, uh, we are back doing this again, uh, in 2021. Wear your mask and we'll do yeah. it. We'll be back. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All uh, right. He is, uh, Dairy Field Boys Head Coach, uh, Chris Hetler. I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you in 2021. <laughs>